Welcome to the Flying Solo Podcast, a show for those going it alone in business. If you're working solo or have dreams of starting up, you'll find support, inspiration and advice at Australia's largest and liveliest small business community. Find us at flyingsolo.com.au or join us on Facebook. Here's your host, Robert Gerrish. Hello all and welcome to another Flying Solo Podcast. So great to have you here. Now look, my guest today is Nicholas de Tempera who spent a good chunk of his working life, in fact, around 30 years in the advertising industry as a copywriter and art director. He escaped the world of soloism about a decade ago and today runs a copywriting training business from his base in Melbourne. And we're going to talk about the soloist challenge of being both a creative and a suit. Hello, Nicholas. Thanks for joining us. Hi, Robert. Nice to be here. Great. So look, uh, in the world of advertising, how how would you define and distinguish, you know, the difference between being a creative and a suit, just so our listeners sort of understand? Well, I see it in terms of left-braining and right-braining okay. or, lo- or logic and intuition, um, to quote Leonardo da Vinci. Right. <clears throat> um, the, the suit is the strategic side of the communication process. That's the left-brain logical um, activity. Right. And the creative is the imagining and the ideating side of the process, which is the right brain, intuitive function, functionalities, if you like. Mm, okay. So, I mean, both of us, you know, we both have um, a, a history of, of being in the ad industry, and, it, and it's very much the kind of terminology of creators and suits, isn't it? And there's always yeah, a yeah. Bit, you know, some, some degree of banter between the two. Uh, but yeah, yeah. Know, now here you are after having you know, a, a long period of working in an ad agency, very much as a creative guy. How did you then transition to wearing both hats? Because, you know, as a creative, you can't suddenly come out into your own kind of solo business and, uh, you know, expect the jobs to be sort of put in front of you as, as, as they might be in an agency. So how did you transition to becoming both a creative and a suit? Well, just as a bit of background for those who perhaps have not been in an ad agency or a typical ad agency, in its purest form, um, it's made up of suits, which are the left-brainers, and that's called the account service department, mm-hmm. which I believe is where you came from. Right. <clears throat> and the creatives, which are the right-brainers in the creative department. So there's account service department and the creative department. So think of it as a brain, the left brain and the right brain. Mm-hmm. And usually the creatives are typecasters, uh, people in T-shirts and jeans. Yes, lying back in big recliners and having very long lunches. If <laughs> well, n- not anymore. No, <laughs> Maybe not. Those days went by a long time ago, I believe. <laughs> um, so basically the suit is the liaison between the client, which is the communicator, yep. and the agency, which is the means of communication. And so the suit goes out there, gathers the data and the information from the client and any research findings, and then comes back to his, his or her office, analyzes it, synthesizes it all into knowledge and insight, or in other words, meaning that's relevant to the market context and target audience, mm-hmm. and then this meaning is then summed up in, in a communication brief in the form of a key proposition or what to say. Um, and that brief then goes to the creative department and then they work out 
what to say. They work out how to say the what to say. So that that's mm, the creative okay. side of the whole process. All right. Look, that's um, you know, that that's beautifully put. And interesting when you talk through there the the jobs of a suit. It's um makes it sound a lot more grand than I recall it, but that's good. Uh-huh. Um, so you know that that's that's quite quite distinct roles then so you know how how yeah. have you how have you found yeah. that transition yourself yeah so i crossed over to the suit side when i was uh, when i set up my own little boutique agency in 1996 <clears throat> and as the head honcho i was doing all the briefings with the clients as well as the creative work with my agency colleagues. Mm. And to tell you the truth, I actually found the dual role of suit and creative very enjoyable. Okay. Uh, I, kind of, I kind of, I sort of came out in a way. It's like maybe there was, um, ah, my suit came out of the closet. There you right. go. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I found it very um, enjoyable and even liberating. Um, and the reason for that was, I reckon, uh, that I was in direct contact contact with the clients, the main source of knowledge and insight, and on a regular basis. And so their feedback provided me with, with, with rich manure for solving <laughs> problems and coming up with great ideas. Yeah, okay. Um, so look, so, I, I, can, I, get, I get what you're saying, and, and, I'd, and, I'd, and I totally agree with you that I think you know, there, is, there is so much kind of joy in, in wearing both hats. And when you think about it, you know, Really, how can you do effective business any other way? It just seems a bit alien these days, doesn't it? To, you know, to have one person do one thing and and another half to do another. It's you know, if there's one person, I guess that this is at the heart of of being a soloist. You know, is yeah. is, is if it can all be in in the one person's head, the person who creates with the with oh sorry, that discusses and analyzes and develops um, with with the client as well as coming up with the solutions. I mean, it's. It, just cutting out all these middlemen, which is wonderful. But to to somebody listening who is a, you know, who's a creative person moving into a solo business, um, you know, do you and you must have friends that have done this. Do you think it's do you think it's a fairly easy kind of shift? And have, do you have any thoughts as to how people can kind of accelerate it and make it a bit easier? I deal with this question a lot in my copywriting in action courses mm. at RMIT and on my online training program, and uh, particularly with those uh, those students who want to go freelance and set up their own business. And um, because I place a great emphasis on getting the strategic foundations right, which is the which is what a suit does, which is what left brain logical strategy, you know, practicalities, you know, all of that stuff. Mm. That's what that's all about. I dedicate the first two hours, and that's a minimum, um, of a course to help people develop their own strategic thinking um, or left brain functioning, if you like. And, um, you know, so they need to be able to analyse the data and information and be able to sift out the knowledge and the insight that's going to feed their creative um, work um, at the next stage. Yeah, okay, I, so- always, I always emphasise 
Don't do any creative. Don't even think ideas before you get the strategy clear. And that's talking to people, be it the client, the research, the user, whoever. Go out there and do your research. Make it your business to research. Mm. I place a lot of emphasis on that. And I interviewed uh, Fiona Collis from Ipsos a couple of years ago. Um, uh, um, and she said the same. I'm quoting her when um, yeah, okay. I say, you have to make it your business to research, when you, especially when you can't afford to hire out that you know, to a research company like Ipsos. Mm. So I put a lot of emphasis on it. It's very important. You've, it's like training, you know, and if you're not good at it, then you've got to get good at it. Yeah, okay. What about, so I, I get that in, that in that sort of process, but what the, the sort of implication that you have there is that you've, um, you know, you've got the client, you've kind of got the brief, and so you're, what you're saying is that you've, you've got to start with researching and understanding and before you start to come up with a solution. But what about... I'll take us to a slightly different area. What about the creative who's just not used to kind of winning the business, you know, to finding the business? How did you find that shift when you started out on your own? Uh, finding business, like getting clients. Yeah, just, yeah absolutely. Yeah, I mean, going out there. Mm. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, oh, well, that's that's the that's all of the cold calling bit okay. of it. You can't avoid that. You've just got to. Go out there and you know, you know, find, um, make network. <clears throat> you know, the usual story. I mean, I I don't think I can add any more to that knowledge that's already okay. It's so, not already in the uh, flying solo database in oh. terms of having to go out there, network, cold call, um, research particular you know businesses that you might be interested mm. to work for and research them and find out you know who they are. And, and the name of the person that you're going to approach to begin with, you know, who are they and, um, and, and perhaps even present some ideas before going in, although I'm a bit hesitant about suggesting that because, again, it comes back to talking with them once you've got your foot in the door yeah. and finding out, you know, what are their strengths and weaknesses and hopes and aspirations and, and so forth uh, before you go away and, and, you know, put together some proposal you know whether yeah, okay. it's a creative proposal or a strategic proposal but did you did you find that new new in inverted commas role enjoyable as well i mean did you because that for many who've come from a, a creative background and they're going right i'm going to start my own business now i'm going to you know do what i love i'm going to work with the people that i want to work with and then they're doing what you're saying very much which is cold calling networking getting out yeah. there did you embrace that um, pretty readily as well or was it just a matter of pushing through because you kind of knew you had to do it? Yeah, no, that was the push. For me, okay. it was a push and that was a whole learning curve for me. Like so, for example, you know, like um, as I said before, some students are not very good at the strategic side of the thinking process. They just like to get launched straight into the creative mm. and I go, no, stop, let's get back, let's take a step back. Let's work out, let's develop the strategic side of uh, your thinking first before you dive in. And for me, I had to go back another step. <laughs> and uh, the strategic side and the creative side, I didn't have an issue with. Right. It was the step um, which was to, you know, approach businesses, you know, f cold and speak and talk the talk. 
basically. Yeah, okay. All right. Yeah. So, all right. You you clearly then did. You know, you embraced it and you pushed through, and you you know you did those things that yeah. um, maybe you didn't love, but by the sounds of it, well, I know that um, you know they started to work for you, and so your business clearly did emerge. Are there any other particular sort of lessons that you've learned through this transition that you think we should share? Um, yes. Well, first of all, I think you know it's all about demonstration, and so. For me, I started teaching copywriting about, uh, it's been about 20 years now. And I have to say that a lot of my clients have come out of my courses. So they've seen me in action. They like what I say, what I do, um, and whatever. And then they approach me and say, Would you be able to you do, do something for us? For us? Yeah. yeah. So that became my, I guess, my strategy for um, gathering, uh, for attracting business. So um, certainly demonstrating how, what you're good at is. If you can find a way to do that, because we're always quite convinced of a demonstration, yeah. just like good advertising, the, the most effective advertising is the type that is demonstrative, that shows how the thing works. So, so in, in so practical on. terms, what did that really look like? Was this you teaching a class of people and then what you're saying is some of the people out of that class came to you and said, hey, can you help our business? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Okay. So I got, I got a lot of copywriting work and editing work as a result of my teaching um, classes. Mm, okay. So it, it was never meant to be a strategy like, oh, that's how I'm going to get business. It just worked out that way and then I realized one day, oh, I'm getting work out of this. Of I'm getting, this, is, this is how I'm getting my business. So perhaps um, I should um, put on a better show mm. it's interesting <laughs> when I'm in front of class. I think a, uh, quite a lot of, uh, of, of, of people, in particular in copywriting, I know a guy who's in the – sort of SEO business who runs um, one of these uh, sort of small business courses on SEO. Same, He says exactly the same thing, that it's, you know, the course was not necessarily done as something that was um, a kind of new business or a business development activity. It was it was another business activity that brought in a bit of revenue. But lo and behold, yeah. you know, in his business the same way, you know, um, new clients came as a consequence. So, yeah. any, so putting yourself out there, getting in front of a, you know, clearly that sort of speaking to a group can be a great uh, can be a, a great lesson there any other thoughts um on that well Not just on lessons that you know again i'm thinking of the creative listening going okay i understand that um you know i need to think things a little bit differently i need to be a bit more you know a lot more sort of strategic in my thinking do more thinking and more planning and more research before i get into creating you know, you're talking about this notion of of, uh, of speaking to groups can be very positive as well. Um, yes. any, anything else in your your sort of your own experience that you reckon we ought to um, to share? Um, well, I, I guess um, now you can't not have a website, mm. <clears throat> so you can do a lot of demonstrate demonstrating your capabilities and your knowledge. Um, through your own website mm. and, you know, as well as the blog site. So, you know, as a copywriter, perhaps, perhaps a blog site is not a bad idea because then people can read, you know, your copy and say, oh, that's the sort of, I like the way he or she writes. That's the kind of thing I like. I get feedback from people. They say, oh, I saw your website and I really like the way you write. I like, mm. you know, and that's why I contacted, you know, that's why they contacted me. Sure. So and you use video, the, video a fair bit as well. How? What's your What's your experience uh, with that? I, I don't use video. I've just started using video. So okay. I, I I put up on my website 
a video of me, uh, again, demonstrating my course, um, talking about it and then showing how it works. Uh, but, but I have to say, talking live, um, I'm better at writing than I am at okay. talking. Because I can, <laughs> I can then edit myself. <laughs> right, okay. But video, I mean, I find your, so if people want to see your videos, they can go to your Copywriting in Action website, copywritinginaction.com.au. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I mean, I, I like those because you, you certainly get to see you. You know, you really it's get true, a yeah. sense of who you are, don't you? So Yeah, well, that's right. I mean, and, and, and that's true. You know, so I have to, again, I, it's like, you know, you have to overcome your own, you have to get over your own stage fright and just do the thing and do it as best as you can. Um, we're not all, you know, um, you know, great presenters mm. and great speakers, like you know, and erudite, intelligent uh, personalities like Alan de Botton. Right. Um, <laughs> I guess, but um, we can just be ourselves as much as possible, and 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 um, and just say what we what's true to us, what works for us, and and try and be authentic. I think is really. Um, yeah. What we're trying to do as I much would say as possible. That's right. So, look, in, let me ask you: in in your work, you know, and I should probably just mention here that to people listening that the um, the first place, the first time I came across you was was through your profile that you actually have on Flying Solo, and it was, you know, a lovely example of your writing and got a, got a real sense of, of of who you are. So, I'd implore people to um, have a little look for that on Flying Solo as well. But in your in your sort of work today, who who are your biggest inspirations? You've mentioned a few names, Alain de Botton, you know, and others. Who are your biggest in, inspirations, and why? Well, you know, I was rummaging, rummaging through my <laughs> desk the other day, and I found an old piece of paper with these words that I'd scribbled on them on the page, hmm. and these were the words: "You spend a whole life doing what you believe is your purpose and failing." The point was to fail and maintain your dignity. You were meant to fail. You succeed by maintaining and never losing your compassion. And the name written below this quote hmm. was Leonard Cohen. Get out. And um, that pretty much sums up hmm. why he, he um, is an ongoing inspiration for me, hmm. both as an impeccable writer. Yeah, absolutely um, impeccable writer. Uh, and an impeccably dressed wise man who can face the darkness and still be cheerful. Mm. Fantastic. So Leonard, a- Leonard Cohen is the main man for me. But there are two other people, and I have to, I do have to give credit to them for, you come know, on, come for on, my inspiration. So um, the other one, the number one man, is His Holiness the Dalai Lama, the Fourteenth right. Dalai Lama. Mm-hmm. He's probably the main man in my books. And, I mean, there are many reasons why he's an inspiration to me. But the big one is, for me, his empathy. Mm. Empathy and empathy is all in my line of work Um, and and life in general, of course, but certainly in this job. Mm. It ties back to relationships with clients and business colleagues. You know, empathy is the key to coming up with great creative ideas and enjoying constructive working relationships. Um, so a, how would you how would, uh, rather avoiding the word empathy? I'm just going to set you a challenge here. How to, again to somebody listening? How does that kind of show up in an interaction with a new client? You know, say you're working with somebody and you're yeah. looking to write them. You know, the best copy they've ever had. 
how does it kind of yeah how does it show up in that relationship yeah well in the business in the business of communications it's all about listening and the better you listen the deeper your understanding and appreciation of the other person's um, you know hopes fears aspirations desires and the, the sort of listening I'm talking about and and, you know, in the beginning I thought, wow, this is a bit scary. It's a bit like jumping off a cliff and knowing, not knowing where you're going to land. It's a sort of listening where you're not rehearsing what you're going to say back. Hmm. So there's nothing in your head. There's nothing to get ready for an answer. There's no answer, in fact. It's just pure, unadulterated listening. And from that comes whatever needs to come for you to then respond um, with, you know, the right signals, if you like. Mm, you, you've, got to have, and, you've got to have courage, haven't you, to... It is because we're all, we're all listening and rehearsing what we're going to say back so that there's no void <laughs> mm. to begin with and we're scared of silence and that's okay, the silence. But also because we feel we need to be, you know, because we're professionals and we should know our stuff, so therefore we have the answers. But, in fact, you know, I don't have any answers. I don't have any solutions. The solutions come from the interaction and collaboration with the client. That's what I found. Mm. And, and that was a great relief because then I didn't have to pretend that I was, you know, Mr. Noel or whatever. Does that not also, and I'm thinking of a, a phrase that my teenage son uses whenever we're around the dining table, if, if for any, well, he's, he's, he hasn't said it for a while actually, but if, if ever we're sort of sitting there and it goes quiet, he will fill in the space by going, awkward silence, <laughs> <laughs> which is just him being yeah. an annoying teenager. But d does that, do you ever get that? Do you ever, do you, you know, when you're... The, the awkward silence? Yeah. <clears throat> well, occasionally, yeah, there's a little bit of silence there. But, um, you know, I might fill it in with like something like, wow, that's an interesting, that's an interesting situation or that's an interesting question or whatever. I'd fill it in like that a little bit. Okay. Um, and then if I don't have any answers, then I'll just be honest. Look, I have to think about this one. I'll have to get back to you on that. Mm. And, look, and that's, that in itself, that, that's, that can be such a powerful response, can't it? Because... I remember listening that's to somebody. That's what I found. Yeah, that's what I, I found. I was listening to somebody recently who was saying that um, if you if you train yourself to stop saying um, and I mean, if there's one person around who should train themselves, it's me. Uh, one of the one of the strongest things you can do is just replace um with silence, mm. um, because what that often says to the audience is, "Ah, oh, this person's really thinking and contemplating," and uh, you know that actually has a very positive. Uh, sort of Im can have a very positive impact and, and uh, how you're perceived. Whereas what I tend to do and others do is you kind of fill it with an um and we just absolutely shouldn't. Yeah, yeah. And, anyway, yeah, look. Um, there's no, there's no, there should, you should not fear silence. In fact, it's the silence between the notes that makes the music. If you mm. think of it in terms of music, mm. it's, it's the space between the notes that makes the music. So we need a bit of space between our dialogue with the other. Okay. Well, look, so you're, it sounds like we're slipping back to Leonard Cohen. We've had Len Leonard Cohen, oh, yes. the, the Dalai Lama. I, I think you said there was a... Number there was... three. There's number three. Okay. There's, there's, there's a holy trinity here for me. And, um, okay. and, and number three is Naomi Klein. Oh, okay, right. 
Um, I mean, for starters, all her books are essential reading. Um, But not only for the content, um, you know, which argues, advocates uh, for sanity, to just (laughs) sum it up in one word, um, you know, um, but... It's, it's, you know, like she's, she's a very good demonstration of a writer and a thinker and an advocate, you know, think advertising yeah. again, um, who is thorough in her research, engaging in her writing and fabulous with her cover, book cover designs and typography. Oh, um, and, and, and like you can, be, you can be sure of a gem in every page she writes uh, and that's what makes in my opinion, that's what makes for great writing and great communication. And I would go so far as to say that Naomi can teach you more about the power and beauty of art direction and copywriting um, than any award-winning advertising person, creative person. Wow. Well, look, you heard it here, you heard it here first. So. <laughs> yeah. Nicholas, that's great. Thank you very much for, for sharing your thoughts with us. And uh, I'm going to practice more silence and um and better listening and uh for those who'd like to learn more of your work i know the place to go copywritinginaction.com.au um, may you continue to enjoy your your solo journey i'm sure you will and uh, thanks robert i'm going to rush off and uh, get melana Kerm album out again actually good yeah. idea good way to start the day. okay yeah. thank you very much for your time nicholas you're welcome see you robert and that's where we'll leave this show from flying solo and your host robert garish We'd love to receive feedback, even a brief review for those listening via iTunes. If you're planning to start a business or rejuvenate the one you're in, check out our bestseller, Flying Solo, How to Go It Alone in Business. It includes everything we know about working on your own. And of course, we invite you to dive into the resources and supportive community at flyingsolo.com.au. 